I come in here every week, sometimes twice, three times a week, but usually once a week I come in here on, on uh, Thursdays. And um, they've got me rigged up now so I can move around and, and be in here doing something and taking a phone call. Uh, I don't have to be right there in the office. And a lot of times I'll be walking up and down the aisle uh, out here where you go to the restroom. So a couple weeks ago, now some of you, I've, I've sprung this on you already, but so a couple weeks ago I'm walking... By the way, that song about dancing, I think we need to do that. But I'm walking down the aisle, and as it is my nature, I'll just start spouting off things, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, that I can walk. Thank you, Lord, that I can talk. Thank you, Lord, that I can see. Thank you, Lord, that I can pee. Is, it, is that all right? Very right to say that. No. So listen, I've I've heard about times when somebody wasn't able to, and they had to go to the hospital, and it didn't sound like much fun. But um, maybe I should have said, "Thank you, Lord, I'm 70." That rhymes too, you know. But but the thing was, um, I sometimes just for your knowledge here today that the, the, the uh, I've got to, you've got to help me out here, guys. I've got to get this little doodad out here. These things are just an absolute distraction to me, but I'm going to try because I think you seeing things is better. So, yeah, there we go. Now, let me see if I can move, move this. Ah, sweet. Okay, so the title of my message today is An Attitude of Gratitude. And um, we take so much for granted in this nation. We take so much for granted, and we forget about the simple things in life. And a lot of times, for, for myself included in this, um, we don't realize the blessings that we have until they're gone. So five years ago, this coming Christmas, um, I was downstate. We always have gone down for 33 years to my uh, mother-in-law's house and father-in-law when he was alive. And um, Christmas Day, I was sitting on a stool and fell off and had a stroke. Now, a lot of you know about this. Some of you don't, and that's why I feel like I need to share it. Um, I was totally paralyzed on my right side, and I couldn't talk. And um, as I said, sometimes you don't realize what a blessing you have until you don't have it. And um, so, fortunately, again, the, the, you know, God is so awesome in the way that he works things out. Fortunately, we were downstate, and um, they had me um, ambulance to a hospital in 45 minutes. Um, I started slurred speaking in the ambulance. It's funny, I was laying on the floor, and my wife Bless her heart, she's, she's down there, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm laying there thinking, would you get out of my way so I can get up? And I didn't realize I couldn't get up. And, um, but anyway, they, they took me to the hospital and um, slurred speaking in the ambulance, uh, rerouted me to Henry Ford West Bloomfield, which had a stroke unit, and uh, thank the Lord for that. And um, they administered something called TPA. And so I'm laying there, um, 
they had me in um, ICU, and um, they would come in every 15 minutes, what's your name, what, what year is it, who's the president, ask me these questions, raise your, raise your arms and raise your legs. Well, I couldn't do it. I, I, my right side was paralyzed, and I couldn't move my right arm or leg. And um, kept coming back, kept coming back. Early, early afternoon, um, they came back and they said, raise your, after they went through all the questions, raise your arms and your right arm and your right leg. Well, my, my right leg went up, and this is early afternoon. And then they came back a little bit earlier, or later, I'm sorry, and uh, said, you know, ra raise your uh, arms and leg, and I still couldn't raise my arm. The next time they came back, the nurse said to me, she said, I want you, raise your legs or raise my legs. She said, I want you to hold up like you're holding up a tray like this. And I'm laying there, and I went like this. And what I thought was, God has raised me and my wife up to worship, to be worshipers. And the first time that I could move that right arm was like this. And I thank God. So when I'm walking down the aisle out there or the, or the hallway and I'm saying, thank you, God, I can walk. Thank you, God, I can talk. Thank you, God, I can see. It means something. It means something. So today we're going to share a little bit about an attitude of gratitude. And as I shared, a lot of times we don't, we just take so many things for granted. So many things in life that we take for granted. How many was here last week? And you heard Caleb. You know, we get in our car, we whip over there to McDonald's, we drive through and get some chicken nuggets. And we just take, the, it's just every day, take for granted. And here in the Philippines, these orphan children, there's no McDonald's to drive through. They're going to the dump, to the garbage dump, to try to dig through to find something to eat. We are a blessed people, and we need to acknowledge to God how thankful we are. Amen? We live in a country today where we are free to worship God, we are free to attend church without being persecuted. We're free to witness to others. And uh, thank God for that privilege. Thank God for the, you know, there are many places on the earth today that you do not have that privilege. Don't take that privilege lightly. Understand the blessings that we have in this nation. And you know, the Bible declares this, to whom much is given, much is required. What's required of you and I? I think, I think the thing that God would love, you know, God cares about our attitude. Can you say that? God, God cares, cares about my attitude. Amen. God even tells us what our attitude should be when we come to church. Amen. See if I can get that up there. Psalms 123.1 says, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Sometimes it's time to get up and go to church, and I'm not always glad about it, and I'm, the, I'm one of the pastors. So, but God, God wants us to understand that, you know, this, this getting together like this is an awesome, awesome time. 
It's corporate worship together. We're together with our brothers and sisters, our friends, and we're able to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Turn that off, John. <laughs> I should probably turn so you don't watch me either, but it is what it is. Yep, that probably don't look too good there either, does it? It's all aesthetics, you know. Yeah. So anyway, um, going on, um, Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This is how we're supposed to come to church. With thanksgiving and praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Amen? Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, a recent CNN poll, I was looking at some different headlines, and a recent CNN poll said, American happiness hits record lows. Likewise, an NBC poll headline reads, Americans are the unhappiest they have been in 50 years. The unhappiest they've been in 50 years. Here in the land of opportunity, where the American dream is afforded to everyone that wants to make any effort whatsoever, there's a, there's a wonderful land of opportunity. Why are so many people discontent? Do you believe this condition exists only out in the world? Hello? You think maybe Christians maybe have a little issue with this now and then? So here we are in, in the United States. This, this condition, listen to me this morning. This condition is new. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's been around since. Let's explore. We're going to go into a couple of scriptures today and just uh, give a couple examples of, of this in scripture. You know, the Bible says um, that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. You know, he, he, is, he is a thief. He comes for three reasons. How many know what them three reasons are? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's, that's what his uh, mode of operation is. It's never changed. So this condition has been around, this, this unhappiness about things, when you've got every reason in the world to be content, to have an attitude of gratitude. Amen? So we're going to start looking in the book of Esther. There's a great, there's a great story in here, and I'm not going to do the whole thing, um, but we're going to be talking about a man named Haman. And um, so Haman is getting in really tight with the king. I'll give you just a little background here. Uh, but Haman has a deep-seated hatred for a group of people. And the reason he has that deep-seated hatred for this group of people is because of one man. So this one man has become the object of, of Haman's disdain. Um, even though everything in his life that, that you and I would look at and say, wow, this guy, he's got it made. He's got it made. So we're going to start in um, chapter 5 of Esther and begin reading at um, verse 9. Haman left the palace that day. Now he had been having a, a dinner with the king and his wife, Esther. Haman left the palace that day happy. He was happy. He was beaming. And then he saw Mordecai sitting at the king's gate, ignoring him 
oblivious to him. And Haman was furious, but he held himself and went on home. He got together his friends, here got his friends together with his wife Zeresh and started bragging about how much money he had, how many sons he had, all the times the king had honored him, and his promotion to the highest position in government. It sounds like he's doing pretty good. He's got all this money. He's got a, a family with many sons, and the king is honoring him over and over again, and he's just promoted him to the highest position in the government. I would say Haman is doing all right. Let's go on. On top of all of that, Haman continued, Esther invited me to a private dinner she gave for the king. Just the three of us. Just me, her, and the king. I'm, you talk about, talk about the in crowd. It's just me, the king's wife, and the king. Just the three of us. On top of all of that, Haman continued, Queen Esther invited me to a dinner she gave, private dinner she gave for the king, just the three of us, and she's invited me to another one tomorrow. Now here, what I find extremely interesting. But I can't enjoy any of it when I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. I like the living Bible how that reads of this same verse. But yet he added, all of this, all of what? The money, the blessings, the sons, the promotions, the government, all of these things that were a blessing in his life, all of this, what does he say? Is nothing. When I see Mordecai, the Jew, this is where the crux of it is, just sitting there in front of the king's gate, refusing to bow to me. Refusing to bow to me. You know what? You know what Joyce Meyer calls that? Stinking thinking. That's, that's stinking thinking. Here he is. He's got all of this. Listen, his focus wasn't on his many blessings. His focus wasn't on uh, his thoughts. His meditations were consumed with the seeds of discontent and the seeds of discontent, listen to me this morning, the seeds of discontent can grow into a root of bitterness and it will destroy you. You become bitter, you become... So all of the, all of the things that, that were blessings to him, he wasn't seeing any of it. I think he's got, a, I think he's got an eye problem. I mean, he's, he's not able to say, thank you God that I can see because he's as blind as a bat right now. Amen? So... These um, seeds of discontent, we don't want them in our heart, amen? We, we, we don't want them because they, they lead to a lot. So anyway, one of the devil's oldest snares is to sow the seeds of discontent that somehow God isn't supplying all of your needs. That's the lie that's there. That somehow God isn't. I, I, I was just looking this morning and I saw this in Romans 8. Uh, 32, it says, he who, this is talking about God, 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not also freely give us all things? One place it says all things that pertain to life and godliness. God, God cares about you. God cares about me. But we have to understand there, um, we are blessed regardless of what's going on in our life simply because of our relationship with him. Simply because of our relationship with God. So I said this, this condition didn't just appear in the United States. It's been going on for a while. Remember the garden? Hey, a beautiful garden. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no mosquitoes. There's no ticks. There's no whistle pigs. We were talking about whistle pigs the other day, Dan and Martha and my wife and... Um, there probably was whistle pigs, but I think, I think they were badgers or something like that, but they get into your uh, property and mess things up. So every, uh, the, the, everything in that garden was theirs. Every fruit, every tree, it was all theirs. The whole of paradise was theirs, except for one little tree. And along comes the devil, and he says, Hey, God's holding out on you and gets you to begin to look at the one thing that's actually death um, and, and tells the lie that he knows when you eat of this, you'll be like God. What a lie, amen? To this very day, Satan is still trying to plant the seeds of discontent in the saints of God. And our response needs to be, get behind me, Satan. You ain't planting nothing in my garden. You ain't planting nothing in my garden. You know, we, up, up here, we, if you're going to a garden where I live, you've got to put a fence around it. <laughs> if you, well, as, as, as uh, Brother Aaron shared a couple weeks ago with his corn, you, you need to put a fence around there, brother. You don't want those deer eating it. So we need to guard our minds, amen? We need to put a guard at our The Bible says, though, that we're not ignorant of his devices. So... We need to begin to discern the, what, what, you know, these thoughts, we, we may think, well, that was just my thought. There is an enemy that you and I face that wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of the ways that he can do it is take you as a blessed person. I said at the beginning, that song, uh, my sin was great, your love was greater. If that's the only thing that I possess in life, that's all I need. That's all I need because I have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I know that if I leave this earth today, I'm going to be with him in paradise where the streets are gold and there ain't no... Amen? There's an old hymn that we used to sing. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Amen? An attitude of gratitude is born and grows when we count our blessings. So, you know, I worked for... Um, Oven Fresh for a number of years, and I worked for um, 
Vesco Oil for a number of years, and it was, it was outside all the time and cold, cold, cold. And I was so blessed to be able to come home out of that frigid, frigid, cold, sub-zero temperatures. Clarence knows what I'm talking about, amen? Um, and to be able to get walk into a shower and voila, hot water just flowing out of this faucet. You know, there are people on this earth who have to walk five miles one way to get water that isn't fit to drink. And here I am standing in this shower. You know, sometimes he was talking about tithes and offerings. Sometimes we need to let God know how we feel about those blessings. And there's a ministry uh, that we've known for a number of years, and they, they go around uh, to Africa, and they dig wells for people who don't have water. And we begin to sow seeds into that ministry because just, it, just as a way of saying, thank you, God. I am so thankful that I can come out of that frigid weather, get in there, and have hot water just pouring down. It, you know, these little simple things that you and I have in life, don't take them for granted. We're blessed. We're blessed. Amen? We're going to look at Paul's life, and I, I, I can't go into a lot of it, but if you know about his life, it was not, um, not an easy life. Um, but he makes some declarations in the book of Philippians. In one of the passages, he talks about, I think it was five times he was beaten with 39 stripes. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was uh, hated by his countrymen, all sorts of things. But let's see what Paul says in Philippians. We're going to begin reading at um, Philippians 4, verse uh, 11. Paul says this, he says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Have you learned that? To be content with whatever you have. I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I have learned that the secret, of uh, the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. And then he goes on to say the mo a very widely quoted scripture among Christians, but we usually have it contexted for something else. He says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So I like, um, I've been uh, looking at, um, geez, trying to think of the gentleman's name right now, but he has a study Bible out, and um, I would give credit if I could remember his name right No, not, I read that every day, but that's not it. Um, anyway, um, and he puts this contentment in, in, in uh, Philippians 4, uh, 10 and 12. It's, this, listen, this is really good. Contentment means being satisfied at, and at rest about where God has you, despite what's happening around you. It's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. God teaches us contentment through the ups and downs and changing, uh, and ch of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn to depend on him and his divine enabling no matter what. 
Let me read that again. Contentment means being satisfied and at rest about where God has you. Despite of what's happening around you, it's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. God teaches us contentment through the ups and downs of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn how to depend on him and his divine enabling no matter what. So when you are in difficult circumstances, thank God. Thank God. He is teaching you what he's, the, the bottom line of all of this is he's teaching you to trust him. He's teaching you to trust him. No matter, it's not the circumstances around, um, it's what's birthed in your heart. In a heart that says, I know God has my best interest at heart. I know he sent Jesus to die for me. I know that he's going to withhold from me no good thing. And I trust him, no matter what. You know, Job said it. Job, wealthy, wealthy man, lost everything. You know what he said? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't withhold praise because he knew God was in control. And he would still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. You have a job? Be thankful for that job. Amen? You have a car, be thankful for that car. It might be an old rust bucket, but it gets you back and forth. Would it, you know what? You have it, be thankful for the Lord. If you have a place to lay down your head, thank the Lord for that. You need to be thankful for the things that God has provided for you. That doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean he's not going to give you a better job down the road. That's not what it means. What it means is you're content because with God's provision for the day. Amen? We're, you're content. Sometimes we need to just have an attitude of blooming where we're planted. Maybe God's got you there for a reason. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Here's another good scripture for you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself a great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world with us when we came into this world, and we, can take, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Um, my translation there is if you're thankful and content living for Jesus, you're rich. If you're thankful and content and you're living for Jesus, you're rich. Pastor Jack used to say this, you know, um, I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. Never seen. Remember that? He used to say that. And um, so, and somebody, uh, I th- Ron, you may have said this a little bit earlier, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 8. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Anything above that is a bonus. Amen? If you've if you got food, if you've got food and clothing, Therewith, the Bible says, be content. You've got sustenance, amen? Are you saying that God wants me poor? No, we're not talking. We're actually not even talking about the wealth, really. We're talking about an attitude of the heart. Whether you have much or whether you have little, it's your heart. And that heart of gratitude is what God wants us to have. 
regardless of the circumstances. I might have a lot, like Paul said, and I might have very little. But where, whatever condition is going on in my life, I am thankful to God because he saved me. Amen? Pastor used to say this once in a while too. Do we own our possessions? Do our possessions own us? Amen? Amen? I said that God wants, uh, wants us to be blessed. Let's look at this in, in um, 3 John. John says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What's important here? God wants us to prosper. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, and, and again, you're not going to hear the prosperity gospel in this church because that's not the gospel. The gospel is being thankful and living for the Lord for what he's done in our lives and try to be salt and light to the earth around us. Amen. I have some residue from the stroke, but thank God. <laughs> Sometimes it affects my speech. But that's all right, amen? So how do I learn to have an attitude of gratitude and contentment? Uh, going back to that, that verse again, John says, I pray that you uh, prosper in all things and be in health. But it's tied to, what's tied to the blessings is how is your soul prospering? What's important is your soul. And uh, it, as I said earlier, if you're living for Jesus and you're content, you're rich. You're rich, amen? So I believe a big part of Paul's secret to learning contentment is found in Philippians um, chapter 4. And many of you are familiar with this scripture. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to read another rendering of it out of the Living Bible. Everybody with me this morning? Amen. All right. Yeah, I haven't done this in a while. And these things are just an absolute, all this stuff is, is a distraction to me, but I think it's good when you can see it up here, so I go ahead and do that. Amen? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I want the God of peace with me. Amen? Amen? By the way, when I talk about these seeds being planted, the garden is the garden of your mind where, where this transpires, where, where your thought life is. Haman, in his mind, all he could see, that's all he could see, was this one single man that wouldn't bow down to him. He could not see the riches. He could not see the blessings. He could not see the sons. He could not see his... All he, he had this tunnel vision of one little thing in his life. And um, he wasn't thinking right. And um, so the Bible here in, in Philippians tells us how to think. So in the Living Bible, um, I'm going to do this passage there. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. 
Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you have learned from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Jumping back up to this here, fix your thoughts. Fix. The word fix, I looked it up. It means to fasten securely. Fasten securely. You know, when I, when I fix a, a, a stamp to the letter, I don't want that stamp to come off. Because that's what's going to get it to where it's going. If I, if I fix a tire to my car, <laughs> I don't want it to come off. So this is saying here, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want it to be there. Fix, fasten your thoughts on what is true, good, right, uh, and things that are pure and lovely. And I want to qualify two truth. You know, my wife would occasionally tell me that, that my breath stinks. Now, the thing is, when she tells me that, that's true. It's true. I have, to, I have to pop some cinnamon gum in there to, you know, so when I pray over people that they don't go down in the spirit of bad breath, they go down, <laughs> they go down in, the, in the spirit of the Lord. But, but there's a combination. You know, I, I, I was a political junkie, and I'm, I'm gradually moving away from that because um, I, I had this one particular gentleman that I used to listen to every afternoon um, from 12 till 3. And um, I would listen to him at work while I'm going down the road. And I found out after a while that after listening to three hours of most of what he was saying was the truth, after three hours of that, somebody would maybe slight me in a little way and I'm ready to kill him. I'm like, because I was listening to this stuff that maybe it had truth, but it was not lovely. It was not pure. It was not a good report. Listen, when you turn on the news today, you think you're going to hear a good report? If you want a good report, you need to get out the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to look at what it says. Amen? What it says about you. Amen? So, it's a combination. So, fasten your thoughts, your, what you're thinking about on these things, things that are lovely. Um, here, here's another good one for you. John 17, 17 says, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So think about whatever's true. God's word is true. It says, Let every man be a liar, but God be true. So begin to look at the word of God and meditate on the word of God. Think on the word of God and his promises and what he says about you. Have you ever wondered, has anybody in here ever wondered, what God's will is for your life. Me, I have. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 17. Rejoice always. Got it on the wrong one? Went the wrong way. There we go. Thank you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In some things, what's that? I'm sorry. 
Oh, in everything, give thanks. What does it say next? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice always. Does that mean when th things are going good or things are going bad? Always. Re rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When we live our lives according to God's will, amazing things happen. Amen? When we can live our lives according... You know, and it doesn't... It, again, I'm, I'm just going to share another scripture out of um, the book of Acts, that it doesn't matter what's going on around and in your life. What matters is that your heart is joyful in the Lord, that you have a grateful attitude, that you're thankful for what God's given you. And sometimes those circumstances aren't the best. But those, believe me you, on the job, out in the marketplace, even as a witness to your family or your brother or sister, when they see these things happening to you and your response is the correct response, that you're trusting in God and you're believing in Him, awesome things can happen. Amen? And... Um, you know, there's a story in the, in the uh, book of Acts. It's, again, it's about Paul, our brother Paul and Silas. Around midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the Lord. Where were they? They were in prison. They were chained to the wall. They were singing hymns and praising the Lord. And the other prisoners were listening. You know... When you're going through something, people are watching. People are listening. And we can be a great witness. Suddenly, I like suddenlies. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. And all the doors flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. Amen. God can use circumstances in our life to bring bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I'm, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to ask um, the group to come back up, if you will. So, I was just writing down some things that I'm thankful for, and this is by no means a complete and total list. I'm winding down right now, and so some of you people have just found a new reason to thank God. <laughs> but um, take this to heart. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. We have so much to be thankful for. But the number one thing in our lives that we can be thankful for is my sin was great and his love was greater. And um, so I actually want that dancing song. <laughs> Let's stand. And uh, whenever you guys. So anyway, thank God I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. I am blessed laying down. I am blessed when I rise up. Thank God I've got lips to thank him. Thank God I've got two arms to raise and praise to Him. Thank God I've got two legs that I can dance before Him. Amen? Thank God, thank God, thank God. 
Thank God I'm more than a conqueror. Thank God I have the power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Thank God he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Thank God he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Thank God he saved me. Thank God he's my healer. Thank God he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today. Thank God, thank God, thank God I'm alive and I'm serving a living Savior. Amen. I can get excited about the Lord. Amen. So, just want to ask a real quick question. How many think you could use an attitude adjustment? Maybe. And anything I said today maybe stirred something in you and said, you know what, he's right. Maybe I haven't been thankful. Maybe I've been complaining a little bit. Listen, what I would like you to do, just come on forward. Now, I'm 70 years old. Come on, come on up here, everybody. Everybody, come on. You're able to? Come on up. And I said it. If I'm 70 years old, you may just tap your toe or whatever, but I'm 70 years old, and if I can dance before the Lord, so can you. Amen? I am thankful to the Lord. Amen? I might just jump up and down, but we're going to dance before the Lord. Like I said, you may just do this. It's all right. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Father, we thank you today. Would you just say this with me? Father, I am so thankful that Jesus went to the cross and died for me. And I want to live a life of gratitude for him and what he's done. Help me, Lord, to see the blessings that you've placed in my life. Help me to be light and salt in this earth. And now I want to bless you in praise. Amen. Give him a hand of praise. Amen.
God, you do great things. Oh, heroes of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed us, we captive, and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for just loving us, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, that you break every chain and every fetter. God, that you set us free and that your word declares that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I am thankful today that I am free. Would you say that with me? I am thankful that I am free. Free indeed. God, as we go our separate ways today, help us, Lord, to live our life with an attitude of gratitude because you've been so, so good to us, Lord. You have been so, so good to us. And God, we are thankful, Lord. We are so thankful, Lord, for saving our souls, making us whole, giving us your salvation so rich and free, Lord. We bless you for it. Bring us back at the appointed time, Lord, and help us as we go through our week to be light and salt. In this earth, we ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead, do that song again. <laughs> Lord bless you.